Hey guys, Barney here with a little update. I want to give a quick thanks to AB Universe for sponsoring The Big Top. Taking over production responsibilities has been a huge undertaking, and I'm extremely grateful to have such a fantastic sponsor, whose products I have used for years and can personally vouch for. You can now use my promo code BIGTOP to get 10% off your order at abuniverse.com. That's abuniverse.com. Thanks again to ABU for sponsoring this podcast. Spooky Halloween! There hasn't been anyone called Barney here in 35 years. And welcome to the Halloween episode, Under the Big Top. Except this was recorded last week, so that's all the holiday spoop you're going to get, sorry. This fine sound, I'm joined by none other than Glenn, the artist Minotaur. A kink educator in the leather scene and chapter head of Proteus Leather Club's Berlin chapter. Just a heads up, there will be no episode next week. Between celebrating this, my favourite day of the year... And attending Doggy Weekend this week, I will be taking next week off. The Big Top will be back on the 14th of November to resume your regularly scheduled weekly episodes until the end of this season. Today's message is from at Al Floofy on Twitter, who writes, Howdy, just wanted to say hi and that I just started listening to The Big Top on Spotify. I wanted to say thank you for creating it and putting it out there because it's very inspiring and comforting to hear about from other people, especially people who are more shy like me. So thank you for taking the initiative to put it out there, and I can't wait to listen to more episodes. It's just really amazing to hear people talk about lots of things you find really hot with the same passion. I started listening on Saturday and just finished up the eighth episode. Hearing about the way you view kink and sex, that it should be fun and you can have a laugh during it was exactly what I needed to hear doesn't all have to be sexy, just having a good time, doing what you enjoy and being authentic, even when that is wearing a diaper or getting turned on by clowns, lol. Thank you so much. It always means so much to hear kind words like this, but the whole point of me doing this podcast is to reach other people and show just how okay it is to be you. So thank you again. That means more than you know. Today, the circus returns once again to Berlin, Germany, and I invite you to join me as we go under the spooky big top. Hi there. Hello. Hey there. Good. Yeah, fuck me. Can we, okay, can we actually talk about the weather for a second? Because I, I don't know what it's like over there, but it went from like summer to yes. like death here. Yes, it is the same here. It went from, it is too warm to wear full leather to, hmm, I'm going to bring out my long leather coat. I'm just, I'm just, wait, also, I think the clocks are about to go back, and I'm just like... All right. Why do I live in this country? Like, it sucks. I mean, the, a lot of Europe is asking why people are still <laughs> Yeah. Like, everything about it sucks now. Like, it used to be just most things sucked, and now it's like, no, everything sucks. I mean, we're kind of all in the same boat. Also, my native country is kind of run by fascists now so <laughs> yeah it's pretty scary over there i hear yes it is cool well <laughs> anyway that's weather corner um <laughs> political weather corner <laughs> done i'm gonna sip this coffee because i am not awake Ah, why am i Perfect. so like so should we start like an induction moment 
what and just slowly turn this into her a hypnosis session i'm gonna have some coffee because i can't speak it's very pathetic how the older i get the more reliant on like basic things like sleep and food i the last um recording was like the day the weather changed so i was really angry during the recording and then about halfway through i was like Wait a minute, I'm hungry. And I realized a lot of my anger was just because I was hungry. You were hungry. I was hangry. I feel like I'm becoming more... I guess we come into this world as toddlers and we sort of leave the same way, don't we? Just like infirm idiots. Yeah. I'm 28. I'm 28, by the way. I, I, I like complain about how old I am all the time. I'm 28. Do you know how old I am? Yes, 14. <laughs> You're 37. No. You're 29. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> like, I feel like you're older than me, but you're not that much older than me. How old are you? How old do you think I am? Uh, 32, 34, 33. <sighs> so this is one of the cool things about being autistic. They have been studying that uh, it's common in autistic people to have a different collagen processing system. So we look younger because I am 41 going to 42. That's very cool. Wait, so, wait, 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 wait. I didn't know that that was a thing. It is a thing. I mean, it also has a downside because you could develop stuff like the Ellen Dallas syndrome, which is oh, yeah. uh, a connective uh, tissue disorder that gives you hypermobility, uh, bed scaring, and in certain cases, like heart conditions. So to be taken seriously. But it is the extreme manifestation of the collagen processing thing. That I, I that is wow. I'm just like quickly looking it up. That is really really cool. Are you cool. googling the stuff I say to check if I'm saying the bullshit? No, no, no. Just like I'm not fact checking you. I'm just like I want to learn more. That's so crazy. I've never heard about that. Okay, so we haven't done a debriefing of the scene we did before you left. Yes, true. That's true. Let's do that. So, how did you feel the next day? Um, I was super chill. the The next day, the next day was when I came back home. I think. Um, I was super chill. I had such a lovely time at that event in general because I was I was super chill. Oh no no no! That wasn't that wasn't that was the day before. My last day was new action. Ah! What did you do at new action? Oh my god, I have to tell you the whole story. Because um, actually, I think that will like go into everything we want to talk about. But yeah, I, I so first, really, really enjoyed the play fighting workshop that you did. That was mm-hmm. very cool. That was something that I had never really thought about or engaged with. And it woke up a lot of like teenage, like rough and tumble, like playing kind of, kind of things. Which is kind of fun because as adults, we don't really let ourselves play in that way. Um, Mm -hmm. so that was super fun. And then we did a scene, um, which was cool. I think part of my brattiness, my like inherent brattiness is that if I can break free of the binds, I'm going to. Mm -hmm. And so I think I like, because I'm very, very switchy. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think I like being able to try and fail and then have to Mm -hmm. conform. Um, but yeah, that was cool. And like, and, and the, yeah, you also like for somebody that is not experienced in as a pain bottom, you did mm. pretty well, I would say. Yeah, the pain was totally fine. Um, 
I think in the pain scenes that I've done, I'm very used to r ramping it up really quickly. And then I can't go much further. So we kind of get to a point where maybe I'll save word and then that's kind of it. So what you did was really kind of slowly brought me up and I could feel myself relaxing into it really, really easily because I'd sort of been led there. So I felt like I could go further, um, which was great. I, I want to keep exploring that because I never, never in a million years thought that I would be able to like do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The human mind. Wait. The brain is a powerful thing, my boy. I'm learning so much about my brain. Mm. I had a dream. I know nobody needs to hear my dreams, but like I had such a weird dream. And it was, I, I think this is because my my version of normal has changed so much, mostly because of our mutual friend. And like now I'll catch myself saying insane things like, like, oh, he wants to burn you. That's so sweet. And I'm like, that's in, that sounds so completely insane out it's of beautiful. The normalization of violence and kink is one of the most beautiful thing you can bring in your life. I had a dream that somebody was like, oh yeah, um, they're going to take my eye out. And I think that's going to be really hot. And I was like, you're going to have one eye. They were like, yeah, that'd be really hot. And I, in my dream, oh, but like in my dream, I was like, okay, I'm not going to kink shame. <laughs> <laughs> your kink is not my kink, but your kink is okay. Your body mod is not my body mod, but your body mod is okay. Yes. What you want, whatever you want is okay. Your kink is okay. I think I was like, but the resources you'll take away from blind people. Well, obviously that's not real and it's a dream and that's also not real, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that's how it works. I don't think that's how it works. But you do have to take a driving test every year. I do. Uh, I only see from one eye. I don't have that perception. Like, I don't in Germany because they're nicer. I had to in Italy. I mean, in Germany, they never asked. <laughs> so, Fair. please Fair. take this out of the podcast <laughs> before they come looking for me. <laughs> Actually, my sister... Worse. She... <laughs> No, 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 no. She has a, uh, a a Swiss driving license, but she didn't pass her test because in Switzerland, they have extra steps that you have to do in order to get your license. And my sister like did her preliminary, you know, whatever, moved to the Netherlands, got her license in the Netherlands. And they were like, oh, well, we don't have all that crap. So here, just have a full license. She then moved back to Switzerland and converted her license. So now she has a, a driving license and she never passed her test. And welcome to the corner of how to read the system to get a license. Yes, this is... Actually, speaking of, my partner is getting his English license, which... Because he's... Yeah, American. Um, anyway, I want to know about new action. Oh my God, new action. Okay, so... First of whole... all, what were you wearing to get in? Well, so this is the thing. Because you have long hair, so... Okay, well, I didn't know long hair was going to be an issue. So, like, let's... So, I was very excited to go, um, because the whole time, all I was being told is, oh, you, you've got to go to New Action, they'll love you there, you're like clown leather, that'll be so cool, you can go show it off to all the leather people. They're all kind of like, you know older and boring and so whenever somebody comes in and is a bit more young and exciting and colorful they're like oh wow that's really cool and you'll have a great time so of course you know i can have a great time anywhere and i knew that i would have a great time going with our friend who's all about like 
I show up to New Action wearing a pink flamingo and everybody loves it. But of course, anyway, so... Of course, our friend is of the size and shape where a pink flamingo <laughs> does uh, Listen, I, I, th- all of this to me is like, whatever, they're, they're going to love it, right? Yeah. And so he doesn't come. And the person that I go with instead is more sort of part of the regular clientele, right? So he's he's all about maintaining the 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 vibe. And I kind of knew that going in. And he's like, so you're not gonna wear that though, right? And I was like, what do you mean? This is my leather. These are my leathers. These are my brand new leathers that I've just I've just got. I really want to show them off. And he's like, yeah, I don't think you should wear that though. It's not that kind of place. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? It's a fetish bar. Like, it's a leather bar, right? And he's like, yeah, but it's not that kind of leather. And I'm like, um, okay. <laughs> Please cut out my witch laugh. But I was like, okay, cool. So I'm going to wear the leather that I want to wear. This is my leather outfit. Let's go. So we go. And it was like very weird. And especially like I sort of blunder into spaces being like, oh, this is cool, right? And then the moment that I feel self-conscious... Anyway, we get in and immediately are pulled to the back. Like, in the middle of nowhere, in this corridor by the toilets. And that's where we sit. And there's, like, a little stool. So, like, we're actually all standing, really. And I'm kind of like, why aren't we, like, at a table? There's no one here. Like, it's really empty. Why are we hiding? I have a question. Yeah. What? Who was at the door? Like, what, I have no idea. I have no idea. They just let you in. I got changed in in there mostly. Like, uh, I came in with with my shorts, but I put on all the fun stuff while I was. Okay. Doing. Okay. Yeah. That was a smart move. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you are, the, and and he starts talking to you. No, nobody, nobody. It's just that we're like hiding, and so I was like, I don't like this. Why are we like over here? And he was saying, Look. In this place, there's a certain, you know, there's a certain type of leather that you're meant to wear. And I was like, that's so fucking boring. What are you talking about? And the few people that are there are there by themselves or like two people like in the corner. It's kind of like, there is nothing going on here. There's no, the, the vibe is like super weird. I'm, I feel like self-conscious and I had my clown horn and very quickly it was confiscated. And I was like, wait, really? And they're like, yeah, I mean, you, you're, you're going to ruin the vibe. I was like, what the fuck? This is just so like boring and dark and serious and lame. And then I see um, the there was like a poster right next to where we were. And it was just like, it had like the rules and stuff. Oh yeah. And the, the um, their website is mail.space. And I was just kind of like, this is, this is weird. And it look, it's, it's Berlin. There's a thousand different leather bars. Everybody can be a niche, like totally whatever. It's this guy's place. But nobody was saying it. Like everyone was kind of like darting around the issue. And so it kind of felt to me like we know we're being exclusionary on like a very bullshitty basis, but we we don't want to accept any other kind of like fetish or gender expression or look or kink or anything. And I'm just kind of like... How is that a thing? And how is that different to how the rest of the world treats us? And and, and this is also like a social space. Okay, I, I know it has like a, it's more of a kind of cruisy place, but like that's all in the back. So the front bar. No, no, okay, on that. Or I don't know, but there was no one in there. So I couldn't really, I couldn't really gauge what it was like. The thing is, 
my god, this is such a huge conversation. I went to the bar once and the look that I was given, and I'm just acting totally normal, like, and also I'm in leather and not just like, like, sorry, when I got my leathers, like, yeah, I wanted it to have color, but you've seen it. It's it's mostly black because I wanted it to read as leather. So that is a very interesting point. There is leather and there is leather in the sense of and this is connected to something that we did talk about together when you were in Berlin. Mm. The difference between the leather fetish, as in gear fetish, and the BDSM leather king, play space, mm. culture. I don't know. They're both cultures. So I'm trying, I'm gonna, I'm trying, this is my teaching teacher brain that is like running super fast to find the most efficient thing, way <laughs> to express this concept. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> the reason why uh, your letter was not the right letter, a new action, it's because new action is not a fetish bar or a leather bar in a generic sense. New Action is a very specific place. It is a cruising bar, first of all. You don't go to New Action to play if your play requires more space than to give a spank or give a caning. There is or a power exchange, so this place of power exchange. But it's not a play space. It's a cruising space. And it's a cruising space, and that means that the main interest of the people going there is to have sex, where sex means sex in the more literal sense, where it means sex with a decoration of uh, power exchange, sex with a decoration of gear fetish, or sex with a decoration of small BDSM or impact. And this is relevant because it is a place where 95% of the people that go there, I mean 90%, are people into leather as a gear fetish and as power exchange and aesthetic overall. So the people that go to New Action, they want the Tom of Finland illustration experience they want to go there the ladder that people wear there is that specific american uniform or biker aesthetic and the kind of sexual interaction they want is in that area it's a very specific place so i really appreciate you going there in your clown ladder because it challenges what are the boundaries of ladder as a gear fetish because if you've been at Folsom or at Easter Berlin it's like the army of the clones yeah they all have the same jacket the same pants the same boots it's like a cosplay convention it's like a trekkie convention but instead of the federation uniform everybody's wearing the same leather uniform. And it's cool. Like, it, it, there's a reason why it's like that. But it's interesting to see the limits of that 
and 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 as new guard or as people that are leaving the fetish scene for what it is now with Gen Z's influence, because the BDSM scene always have a mo- has a moment of like flopping over when a generation gets of age. So now all the Gen Z's are be- around 20 years old and they're coming out in the scene and they are bringing what they like and and that is going to change things. And it's always been like this. And and those people are new action. They will be considered, like there is people that consider them not cool enough. Like it's always kind of a a chase of who is more old guard or who is more serious about things or who really understands leather or who really knows what the leather spirit is or all of that. So I think that your experience, I think in a way it has been conditioned by the people you were with, uh, because I think that if you were there with other people that I know that are regulars, I think it would have been different. Uh, Yeah. Well, because apparently also the owner later on asked like why I was let in. And I'm like, that's just, also, I feel like, I shouldn't have been told that. That's like, why would you bother telling me that? Like, that's not... Anyway, I mean, I think the... You know, to me... Our friend put it really well because he's he actually kind of, like, figured out the, like, core to my whole sexuality, which is I can't stand seriousness. And so even the more extreme stuff, I, I'm such a kink sponge for it as soon as somebody makes it not serious. So, I don't think that's true. Really? The scene we had was serious. No. It was? Nah, uh, I was like... That qualifies as serious. Nah, because I was like making jokes the whole time and being yes, like... Yes, but the power exchange was serious and you weren't making that many jokes. And when in the last part, when you were on the ATM, it was very concentrated and serious you weren't being silly I, so i think that the problem is not seriousness is entitlement mm. you can stand when people feel themselves too much or take themselves seriously too much yes I, yes I, yeah 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 I, it's 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 yes i think you're right like taking yourself seriously because the first time i saw um pinchy getting spanked it was so like they weren't taking themselves like he was getting thwacked, but it, there was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of communication and there was a lot of like poking and prodding and, and that can then become a lot more intense. And I'm so fine with, with, with that, but it's that like seeing yourself, taking yourself seriously is so off putting to me. And so I, so from my perspective, of course, all this stuff at new action seems, you know, very restrictive to me. And I get that for other people for whom, you know, it's very different. They experience it differently. Like, that's totally fine. And, you know, I do like to shake it up when I'm in a space. You know, I, I, I like to challenge because that's kind of my whole, like, thing. But at the same time, like, I want to respect your space, but it's, you can be chill about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it was kind of. I felt uncomfortable because it was like they were kind of upset that I was, they were like, and didn't know what to do instead of being like, 
oh, that's cool. It's, this isn't really that kind of place, though. You know, or, or like, so, you know, try and explain it. Or, 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 I don't know, they don't have to explain themselves to me. But, like, it just was kind of the energy was very hostile instead of, like, you know, just chill. I mean, there is a reason for that. Like, in, in this, I am gonna, like, I'm gonna bring my own experience as a trans person uh, that is in the ladder, <clears throat> in the ladder gay community and has spent the past months working for inclusion and representation of trans people in the ladder, in the gay ladder community and fetish community. I think that especially the older, uh, and by older, I don't mean necessarily old guardish as a concept or attitude more, also because the concept of old guard is very abstract, but mm-hmm. older generation-wise, um, I have noticed that there is a sensitivity about opening a space that has been gatekept for safety in the past and not for principle Uh and i think this is where there is a the lost in translation is so there is a real feeling in the community of need for safety because if you observe historically like being gay being gay with fetish so not vanilla being gay with fetish, but hedge fetish, because leathermen play hard compared to the average fetish crowd. So it's like this progressive isolation of experience where you are a gay man that has a specific relationship with masculinity and the portrayal of masculinity that as king fetish and fantasies that are pretty close to the edge. It's inevitable that once you create and you find a community or a space where those experiences are not judged, you are very protective of it because you don't feel safe to express those parts of yourself anywhere else. So this sense of need for security, it's still felt a lot by the older generation because they have a direct experience of being judged for their interests and they're not, and they had to fight so hard to preserve that, that they struggle with the younger generation chaotic approach. Because we don't have one specific thing of their experience, which was the risk in their daily life. You are making a podcast about your kinky life. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, if somebody knew that you were into leather, that you were gay, or that you were into extreme kink, your life was done. In some countries, from a legal point of view, in Italy... It was highly illegally persecuted BDSM practices until not that long ago. Like, I think um, until the early, no, mid-90s, I think. I need to check. I don't remember. But 
I know that my mentor, the person that raised me and that identified himself as old guard and he was a leatherman and he was a motor, like I had a motorcycle. He came from the experience of going to motorcycle club meetings up in the mountains that were actually BDSM leather stuff and you could hide yourself like that through your things. So he comes from all that experience. It comes from the experience of having politicians or, or people, famous people in his scene that needed to be protected and there was this need for privacy and control of the people that you would let in because the safety of everybody was involved. That's a very different experience of king in somebody's life from the one that you are having. I I was a bit across the two worlds because when I was in Italy, I had to be very protective because I used to work with children. So it's one of those things that can never Mm. come out. Now I am in Berlin. I only work with adults and I am open about my lifestyle. So I, I I remember how it feels. And... I think it's important to know when you are bringing something new in a space that had to protect itself for so long, there is an element of making people understand that you don't want to break it, but you want to participate in it. And I understand that for you it's more complicated because part of your kink is this challenging mm-hmm. the status quo because you're a clown. That's the job description. Yeah. In my case, I had the experience of a person that is doesn't pass yet, that is still perceived best case scenario as gender fuck or trans femme, which is always hilarious. And worst case scenario as a butch lesbian. Mm-hmm. So when I first came into the scene, I was met with quite strong resistance. And what changed was the fact that I showed understanding for the vibe. And and I think that's kind of the thing. Like, you need to find a space of mutual perceived safety. Mm-hmm. So they, if they perceive that they're being attacked they are going to become defensive. If I perceive that I'm being refused harshly, I'm going to leave. Yeah. To communicate and meet each other, we need to meet halfway there. I think, yeah, that's a really, really, it's hard because I, I think in this community, education is something that is so important. And those of us that engage I mean, like, it is so important to have the people who are doing it, but it is also very difficult because we have to seek these communities out in the first place in order to be able to find each other. And the world has changed so much so quickly, not to, to make no mention of, like, the the lost generation. Um, I think in a way... Yeah, that's a whole different... Yeah. I think in a way, it's kind of amazing, really, that there's this divide. Or not divide, but like this gulf. Because it shows that times have moved on so quickly that coming into the scene, there is a level of kind of blissful ignorance or, you know, 
it's it's more individual and all about self-discovery and figuring out what feels good and it's less about getting accepted into the community it's more about finding your your tribe and carving out your own little path so in a way i think that's really beautiful but also yeah i i walked into this space with no concept re- like you know a, a little and we'd sort of had a conversation about the old guard because i'm really interested now in what in in how that's defined because there is no everyone who seems to have an idea of what that is it's either a very very strict idea and nobody agrees or everybody <laughs> agrees that it's totally fluid <laughs> so <laughs> okay i mean what you say is is very true and for me the the leather community has been very important in my transitioning process and experience because it was i s- seeked out the leather community because it felt like my tribe because part of the people that are part of that community so it's not universal but in the leather community there are two things that i care a lot there are some principles of brotherhood that are part of the leather culture and like strength, integrity, et cetera, et cetera. And this concept of supporting each other. And at the same time, there is this awareness that is a space where you are allowed to express extreme pain. Not in the necess- like not only in the sadomasochist sense you are allowed to express very extreme emotions in a way that you are not in the queer kinky scene. And I feel this difference. The way you play at more traditional gay fetish leather events and the way you play at queer parties it's a very different vibe and I can't deny that it is true. And, and I think it's important to know this because like you said, so you can find your people. The point is like having communication, not flattening everything to be the same thing. And, and you were like, yeah, everybody I talk about the old guard has a different idea about what the fuck the old guard is. And I don't know. I can share my view about it and it's a view informed by long nights spent in google rabbit holes so (laughs) i feel like i've read a lot about it i have read the the letterman and the the infamous letterman and book like the this book that basically it's like the mythology of the old guard. The manifesto. No, it's the mythology. Because uh-huh. the thing is, there is always an old guard. Because there is always a generation change. In the letter scene, when you say old guard, most people refer to this mythos of a specific approach and attitude towards letter that has existed, but has never 
it's like the Schrodinger's old guard because there are people that have lived their kinky life through those principles. My mentor defined himself as old guard, followed certain recognized as old guard principles, like you start as a sub, regardless of what you like, you need to experience everything on yourself before you do anything on other people. Mm-hmm. This is a principle I kind of agree on. Yeah. I Especially I, if you like to play hard, you need to know what yeah. the fuck you're doing. Or your first letter needs to be a gift. Like there were some things that he was passionate about and all principles that he liked that he shared with me. I appreciated them. That was his experience of King. So he was old guard. He exists. The point is there is no uniform old guard as a thing. And this is something that it's like, I would love to talk about this with somebody that it's in the American letter scene because Mm. Europe has always known that old guard is a mythos, an archetype, a trope, not an historical thing because Europe has had sadomasochism way before the letter C. <laughs> like, you know, we had the sad, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like the, the, the post-war veteran invented king in Europe. Nope. Like, we, we, we were already doing great there. <laughs> like, we were cool. So in the U.S., this is felt differently because the BDSM scene in the US was developed by the developing of the leather scene, by the aesthetic of Marlon Brando, by the whole motorbike thing, by the whole uh, the veterans are coming back from the war. There is this sense of brotherhood. If you're gay and you miss that, then that is going to develop into leather, into protocol, you know. In the US, all this thing has more relevance historically because they had it really developed recently. So it's mm. it's very recent history for them in a way that um allows them to feel strongly about like it's it's a real, real thing. What has happened in reality is that there is this book, and this book is super specific, and this book describes a leather club and a leather community that existed with people that existed that lived in that mythos. But they weren't the only one. And not all leather clubs in the US had the same attitude. And not all leather clubs in the US were so gatekeepy. In San Francisco, there was the whole movement for uh, uh, dykes on bikes and lesbians uh, to be allowed into leather bars because being a leather man is above gender. Mm-hmm. And that was then connected to the very strong relevance that um, opening the community to other queer people meant for the gay leather community because those people were the one caring for the sick during the ADS epidemic. So... There was a very strong experience of expanded community in certain parts of the US. And then there was the last generation and 
And then there was this interesting period between the 80s and the 90s where like sex had become more complicated mm. for safety reason yeah and certain forms of kink were a safer way to engage yeah. sexually like i never researched the numbers but i'm pretty sure that fisting skyrocketed oh in the sure. 80s and 90s for safety reason. So yeah. So so old guard means something very different from everybody because of that because the history is complicated, the history of the leather scene is complicated and there is then this weird back and forth between Europe and the US about it. I it was really interesting to me the first time you you spoke about this. I was like you know, because all those things like hierarchy and protocol are things that I immediately am like, no, rebellion. But actually contextualizing it in, especially, you know, this, you know, post-war American, like coming back and, and suddenly not having those things and then trying to recreate them in this form of brotherhood. And then that pain can be something you can experience within that that's safe. And then everything changes because the way that we interact with each other changes. And I was actually speaking to somebody uh, from New York who, you know, is of that generation. And he was saying, I only got into kink because sex was not a safe option. And I thought that was such a, it's such a different, it, it it's the polar opposite of like how I got into kink, where it was like this innate desire and it's, sort of joyful and it's hard to accept there it was like we have to do this thing because we can't do this other thing and and it's like there is another thing that just came to my mind when now that you were talking you shouldn't also underestimate the experience of being a gay man or a bisexual man or a pansexual man whatever an Achillean man uh, but being a gay man when like the different level of internalized homophobia and misogyny or effeminophobia. Yeah. Like there is a very strong component in the latter scene that is, I can be gay and not be effeminate. Yeah. Because especially at the beginning of last century, there was this cultural aesthetic that being gay, like the word itself meant. Yeah the flamboyant, totally. the queer, the yeah. the queens, you know, that that was the association. And so there was this whole also cultural moment where men were like, I am allowed to express masculinity as a gay man. I am allowed I am allowed to express toxic masculinity and machism mm. as a gay man which in a way has a reappropriative element, like the toxic masculinity, the bullies, the, the people beating me up, they want to fuck me and I want to fuck them. Like, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. So that is also a generational difference because you come from, you even more than me come from a generation where it's okay to be a cis gay man. Yeah, yeah. You're just one step to the side from mm. a cis straight man. Yeah. Especially if you're white. If you're a yes. white yep. 
cis gay men, you are literally at the top of the LGBT food chain. Well, this is the other thing. I I felt, you know, a little uncomfortable with the look the bartender gave me in my leather. But I can't help but think if I was not tall, white, cis, I wouldn't even have made it to the bar. <laughs> you know what I mean? It would have been like, no. You know what I mean? I Okay. I got I got into new action during Easter. It was very crowded. I was asked to hide my hair and I was immediately cornered with the other two trans people that were in. Like freak show in a corner. Hey, wow. we have these trans masculine people here for your entertainment. <laughs> so, but the thing is, the, the, the reason... Uh, why there is this struggle is like you're also talking with people that struggled with their sexuality like with feeling comfortable in being gay men and not being ashamed of it Mm. and the fascinating thing and we talked about this i mean we don't have a lot of time left but just like to to remember that there is also in the old guard there is also this concept of the alpha and faggot this binary mm. yeah two things that are like something i think that is very relevant in the old guard is this strict binary or what people describe as old guard it's the strict binary either you're an alpha or you're a faggot either you're a dom or you're a sub either you're a master you're a slave and they take themselves seriously about these roles because they used it as a safe identity. Mm. We talk we talk about how in the protocol way of playing, if you take the aesthetic out and you look at the bare bones, it's basically cis heteronormative sexism applied to leather. Yes, that's where I was going with this. <laughs> the I, like. You know, bringing up gendered roles in the leather scene is very interesting because it is—it really is just kind of like we're playing out classic sexism and misogyny, but in our own way. And actually, you briefly brought up a a, a point that I—the first time you mentioned it, I was like, "Fuck, we don't talk about this enough." But all the lesbians who were literally looking after all their gay friends who were dying left, right, and center. That is like an entire world of that. There's an entire angle of the pain that I don't think gets talked about enough. But yeah, it's very interesting that these binaries keep keep showing up. And I also think it's very cool that we're questioning and challenging them now. Yes, but does that then shake up a core element that the leather scene has relied on for a long time? It's a slow process. I had a, con- a very fascinating conversation a couple of weeks ago with one of the people. Like, um, there is this lovely, lovely uh, bare skin couple that I meet at the Fetish Social every month. They are oh, sweethearts, and we we became friends. And and one of them was writing to me, asking uh, advice about strap-ons. Mm. And we had this whole conversation, like very technical, practical, da 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 da. And in the end, he sent me, you know, the meme of the the two arms, like 
Yeah. Know, yeah. The old illustration of the two muscly arms mm-hmm. holding each other. <laughs> and it was like on one side it was trans mask and the other side was locked boys and the handshake <laughs> was talking about strap-ons. Oh. But when you think about it, <laughs> the obsession that they have with chastity and locking a sub mm. and in that way depriving him of the use of his penis as a power structure and an alpha faggot gender structure. So I am making you completely receptive because I'm taking away your penis and the only way you can achieve an orgasm is by me topping you Mm -hmm. it's interesting because it shows how again how much they are replaying this binary where they associate dominance masculinity alphaness to having a penis you can use to penetrate people and on the other side, you have the bottom that is caged and receptive. And of course, when you bring a transmasculine person into this environment, especially in the current generation of trans people where bottom surgery is a thing that very few people get for mm. 10,000 different reasons. So you have a lot of transmask people that have a TDIC, but don't have a huge phallus. And somehow you have to manage how to process them because, wait, okay, so you don't have a dick, so you're a bottom, right? Because (laughs) all our bottoms don't use their dicks. And then I show up and I'm like, no. (laughs) No, mainly Tom, Top Dom. And, And they need to do the maths in their brain. Yeah. There's a calculation and, of like, okay, but top and dom and okay, great. But but yeah. So I think there is hope. I think there is space for growth also in the sense of space of protection of what has been a significant experience for the le- for these people. Like I believe in validating people's experience. I don't like the flinta attitude of patriarchy is wrong and all male experience and men's experience are wrong because they are informed by patriarchy. So all your feelings are wrong. What the fuck? I, I, I don't agree. I think that it's important to validate a certain kind of experience to allow those people to connect emotionally to it and to allow them to have space inside to share other people's experience and grow through it. Like, I have been talking with another trans man that has transitioned 20 years ago and has a very different experience from mine uh, in the gay letter scene. But one thing that we shared is this awareness that what changes the situation is exposing people on an individual level. Mm, Yeah. So me showing up to a letter party, being questioned about my presence there, but then staying, playing, showing that I play in a certain way, showing that I navigate the space in a certain way. And at the end of the evening, having an old person come to me and be like, 
this is how I expect a letterman to behave and, and be like, okay, you get what we're going for. Like you get yeah. what we're sharing. And then from that moment of recognition, you can be like, hey, and this is my experience. I switch. Mm. I have a partner and we switch with each other. This is still unbelievable. Like the few people that switch in the leather scenes, which with other people, nobody will ever imagine doming their own master. I do. And that is novel. But I can share that experience and being taken seriously if I show that I'm taking their experience seriously first. Mm. People are so complicated. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, we haven't even gotten onto the prevalence of neurodivergence in kink, which is something that just keeps coming up. It's so... It's it's. I I really, really wonder if we all just kind of have this little thing and I, think, I don't know I think um as a person that had sadly uh, a brief experience in the CSAT kinky scene um yes and no in the sense that oh by the way there is going to be so next year I am curating the Quell Guys 25th weekend celebration anniversary festival thingy Oh, cool. And I have invited a psychologist to talk about kink, trauma, and neurodivergence. Oh, so there's going yes. to be a panel October 2024. Well, guys, if you're in Berlin, come check it out. Um, I, yeah, I will be. Uh, but what I wanted to say is I think it's inevitable. The easier way to explain it in my head, it's inevitable because of, on one side, talking about the letter scene american born most of those people had ptsd mm. ptsd is a form of neurodivergence not like yes we have autism and adhd but there are certain uh mental illnesses that modify the brain to the point that behaves like a neurodivergent yeah. brain and ptsd is one of them so it's inevitable there were all these veterans with ptsd but at the same time, there are other reasons why it doesn't surprise me as an autistic person. Oh, you're telling me that I have a sexual social interaction that I can navigate by having direct negotiation and conversation about it and then agreeing on specific rules and there is a specific script I have to follow and none of is random, and I can just memorize it and repeat it to keep having that sexual relationship experience. I mean, <laughs> oh, wait, are you also telling me that I can play around with sensation and textures? And there is a whole area which is <laughs> tying my body in a way that works like a weighted blanket and makes my proprioception better? <laughs> Amazing. This all just sounds like why to me. I'm just like, why wouldn't you want that? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you're so right. I, I also think there is potentially an element of it, which is like, in order to be one of those things, you have to be willing to accept things about yourself. You're more likely to accept the kinky side of you, or you're more likely to accept the neurodivergent side of you, which I feel like it's, Probably all of these things combined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I feel ready for the day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talk. I talked a lot. I kind of. I feel that I monologued most of it, and no. I just for that. No, uh, I'm a horrible interrupter, so that really works for me. Okay. Before we wrap up, just because it's connected to what I've been saying, yes. Yep. Peace and long right. life. Uh, no, I wanted to share that part of my experience and what I talked about is also connected to the work that I'm doing with Proteus, which is this leather club that has right now a German chapter and a UK chapter. In the UK, Toku and Mal, Butulex, Trans are the holder of the chapter. And in Germany, it's me and uh, Byron that we are uh, holding forth. And what we are working on is this, is integration and representation of trans people in the ladder scene and education about trans people in the ladder scene. So, and it's something that follows the uh, model of Onyx in the US. Onyx is a ladder club of uh, people of color that was created to facilitate and advocate for the integration of people of color in the ladder scene which was quite white for a while. And we're trying to do the same for trans people now and following the same model. And that means that in the leather club, trans people and cis allies are welcome and we work together for this. So if you're interested in supporting and connecting, networking and all of that, check out the link that for sure will be somewhere. Fuck yeah, link will be in the show notes. Fuck yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. This was awesome. I want to do it again. Thank you so much. Yeah, let's. Do you have um, a yay for the day to end on? I mean, I've been on a yay for two weeks because I recently started taking testosterone. So I am on a yay for the tea, uh, <laughs> which is pretty cool. So that's my that's yay. That's dope. That's my yay for the weeks, I have to say. Okay, cool. Mine is going to be... Uh, I, fuck, what is mine going to be? Uh, that I am, oh, so t- so two people that I've had on this podcast, Ben Biddick and, and Lucky, um, and I are, we're going to have a spooky Halloween movie day tonight. Um, and, movie night today, what, what? That doesn't make sense. Um, and then uh, we're going to go to a Bait Bro event in London, which I, they've said it's like, oh, it would be, they were like, oh, it would mean a lot if you came. Like, I think you'd really like it. It's a really chill vibe. I was like, this just doesn't sound like my thing, but I like the venue. They say it's really fun, like just cool people. And I'm really curious to experience something new. So I will check back in next week with uh, what that's like. But yeah, I think that'll be fun. And you get a free drink on arrival. And then there's like drinks afterwards, which is my kind of event. Sitting down, social, and we we're done by eight o'clock. I can go to bed. Fantastic! I love the be done by eight o'clock. I love. The I really, really, really. I love do. afternoon dungeon parties. They're Absolutely. I I don't understand why it has to be late at night. I, like on the weekend because capitalism during the day. Yeah, but fuck capitalism, man. <laughs> Fuck capitalism. That's my A. Fuck capitalism. Okay. Anyway, thank you so much for doing this with me. And join us next week as we go under the big top.
Hey there, horny listeners. We talk a lot about safety on this podcast, and that includes the importance of safe toys that are actually designed for sexual pleasure. Bunny Shop's carefully curated products are body safe and prioritize quality, aesthetics, and safety. Bunny Shop takes a boutique approach to shopping for adult toys, with a wide range from affordable gems to unique luxury items for all experience levels. What I like most about Bunny Shop is the approachability. They've created such a welcoming space, and none of it's dark, intimidating, or feels like it's gatekeeping. And if you like pink, they've got you covered. Bunny Shop also donates a percentage of all sales to a non-profit of your choice. Plus, they ship quickly and discreetly. Let go of your shyness and embrace your self-love journey with confidence. Save 20% off your order today when you use my code BIGTOP. Visit bunnyshop.com, that's B-U-N-N-Y-S-H-O-P-P-E.com. Spelt with two P's and an E at the end. Don't be shy, let your freak flag fly.